0: What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastooch. I'm your host. And today is a little bit of a different kind of episode. I had the good pleasure of being invited to speak on behalf of Mike Bledsoe at the Strong Coach Conference. I was in front of many coaches over Zoom, and the talk that I gave was about the journey that I've been able to take, the steps that I needed to go through in order to go from who I was when I was really struggling, working many, many, many hours a week, to the career that I have now, in which my role has shifted from doing all of the work every day, all day long, to being able to depend on uh, an outstanding staff to deliver an outstanding product, and provide them with the vision and the guidance as to where they're supposed to be providing it and how. I think that This is a talk that will be beneficial for any of you to listen to, and I'm looking forward to your feedback on it because this is the first time we've done a podcast like this. Remember, at the end of this talk, I welcomed everybody from The Strong Coach who was interested in becoming an active life professional or owning an active life pro path gym to connect with me. If you listening to this, you feel similarly, you are interested in a career change from being a coach to being an active life professional, you are interested in a brand new mission, vision, and values and process for your gym. You want to finally get yourself out of pain, reclaim your active lifestyle. I answer every DM, every email, hit me up. We can get the conversation started and I would love to find out if working together makes sense. Let's get you to the talk. In October of 2014, I found myself walking northbound on Laurelton Boulevard in Long Beach with my wife. She turned to me and she said, I don't want to be a single mother. The reason that she was telling me she didn't want to be a single mother is not because she was thinking about leaving me. It's not because she wasn't happy in our marriage. It was because I was spending 17 hours a day, Monday through Friday. At work. On Saturday, I would spend about 12 hours at work. And on Sunday, I would spend most of the day lost in thought thinking about what could I have done better? So I sucked a little bit less this week. That was where I found myself at the top of this false peak, which was, I want to marry this woman who I love. I want to have babies with this woman who I love. I want to live in this town of long beach, right on the coast, which I love. And I was there. Everything is supposed to be great. And, and here I was with my wife telling me she didn't want to be a single mother anymore. Or that she didn't want to be a single mother. Cause our baby was due in four months. You see, Every night, the reason we moved to Long Beach is because every night we have the opportunity to walk on this beautiful boardwalk right by the ocean, to walk in the streets, and to smell the ocean from wherever we are, to feel the salt air, to have the crispness of the seasons without it being too hot in the summer or too cold in the winter. We finally got that. She was pregnant. Everything was on its way. And she was telling me she didn't want to be a single mother. I had just split with my business partner. He and I weren't going to work out. Unfortunately, it wasn't going to happen. And she felt like not only is Sean already working 17-hour days, he's going to be working more because now it's all him. And these part-time people working in the gym that we own, at the clinic that we own, in the event that we own, we had three things going on. The other side of this is, at the time, I was making less than $30,000 a year doing all of that work. I was spending 17 hours a day chasing everything and catching nothing. And when I say chasing everything and catching nothing, what I'm describing is meaning, purpose, value to my life. I felt when I went to work, I felt like I had no value to to our local market, to my staff, to the vision that I had. And when I got home, I felt emasculated, like I had nothing to provide to my wife, who I love, and wanted nothing more than to support. So I found myself at this interesting crossroads. What I intend to share with you today is how starting to evaluate what my values were, what was important to me, what was not important to me, what was important to us, What are those things? How can we take those things and build success by all metrics of our lives around them? And take everything else and push it away. If you're a member of the Strong Coach, you're familiar with the term unreasonable AF. How could I be unreasonable AF with myself, with my relationships, with my money, with my business, with my vision, with my purpose? How could I do that? All of this feels like that moment where everything is supposed to change, right? If you've ever been in a moment like this, where somebody says something to you so profound that it still gives you chills that I'm having right now to talk about it, almost eight years later, it means something. But then after they say it, you have that moment of, I'm going to change everything, and then you change nothing. You're just thinking about changing everything. The climax to me needing to start to make change is the event company that I own. My wife and I had saved $15,000 together that we were saving to buy our first house. The previous year, the event that I ran put 1,100 people into it. It was a CrossFit style competition event right here on the beach in Long Beach, New York. We were doing it on the mall in Washington, D.C., right in front of the Capitol building and in Manhattan where Victoria's Secret does their fashion show. Huge venues, huge crowds. And one day we would be able to make money on it. I believed that. The year before we had 1,100 people participate and it rained and nobody complained. And I said to myself, next year is going to be amazing. So next year, we dumped everything that we had into this event. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be the send-off for us. About 800 people showed up. 300 fewer than the year before. Each person who came typically brought spectators with them. So those spectators weren't there either. And now all of a sudden, I'm looking at the totals at the end of the event, and it lost $26,000. There was no money in the event bank account. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I looked at my partner in the event. and I said, how, what do we do about this? And he said, we both need to chip in $13,000. I sank into my seat. I drove home, having the conversation in my head over and over and over again. How am I going to tell my wife that I lost $13,000 of the $15,000 that we've saved together? over the years and by we what I really mean is she because she's the one who had a steady job a real job I was the entrepreneur trying to make something happen I got home I remember vividly she was to the right inside the galley kitchen that we had she could tell something was wrong she said what's up I started crying I'm not a very emotional man on a general basis Um, it's not something that I process in one big moment I kind of Processing emotions slowly over time—it's the kind of thing where somebody passes away and a family member is bawling, crying, and I'm the one who everybody thinks is the rock because I process that very slowly over the course of the next month to two months in all of my quiet moments alone. I was hysterical, crying, apologizing to my wife for not being the man I promised to be when we got married, telling her I lost thirteen thousand of the fifteen thousand dollars that. We had saved to buy a house and having $2,000 left in our bank account meant that we weren't sure if we'd be able to even make our payments to stay where we lived the following month. Remember, we have a child now. That's when things kicked in. That's when I decided you're doing too many things, Sean, that you don't value. And by the way, if you're wondering, she gave me a hug. She told me she loved me. And she reminded me that in my vows that I wrote for her at our wedding, I told her I would be her penny stock and that she would be very happy that she'd invested early. We have a sign in our bedroom that's a, uh, a picture frame with a piece of glass on the front of it, and there's nothing behind it except a white piece of paper. And it says, I love you because on top. And then we have a Sharpie that's a dry erase, and we write on it whenever we feel like leaving each other notes, the reason why we love each other. She wrote to me this morning, I love you because you're a force. Certainly not how I felt in 2014 or again in 2016. Now, how do values start changing that? Well, I hired a mentor. I couldn't afford to hire this mentor, but I felt like the worst thing that could happen is... I just go bust and I go get a job making a bunch of money. You see, I had actually been offered a job while all of this was going on. My uncle was the CEO of an investment bank in Hong Kong. And I went out there to visit him before I opened my businesses. And a managing director who worked for him said to me, stay here, don't go back to Long Island. Don't open your businesses. Make millions of dollars in finance like your uncle and like me. He even went as far as to tell me it was my God-given right to make millions of dollars in finance. Told me that I didn't have to go home, that they had a corporate apartment ready for me that was furnished and beautiful with views, that he could teach me to sell anything, that I'd be a millionaire before the age of 30. It took me less than a second to tell him no. I didn't know why at the time because I, I wasn't aware of my values, but. I told them no. It's not how I wanted to make millions of dollars. If you're in the strong coach, you understand I'm totally cool with making millions of dollars. I'm all about making millions of dollars as long as I do it the way that I feel aligned with doing it. And that didn't feel aligned. So I hired this mentor out of my business who had recently exited a business that he started and sold for eight figures. I asked him to help me. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm not finding any success. And he sits down with me and he says, why do you do what you do? Why why do you do any of this? I said, well, it's simple. I've thought about this a lot. I've thought about this so much. I do this because I want to provide for my family. I want to change an industry and I want to leave a legacy. There it is. And I, my thought was this guy's going to be like, wow, that's really profound. This guy, you know, Sean's really thought about this. I'll never forget what he said to me. He says, wow, that's really great. It's too bad. It's bullshit. So I don't, I don't understand. What do you mean? He said, well, you had a job offer for millions of dollars to go work in finance. Would you be better or worse off providing for your family if you had taken that job than what you're doing right now? Better? Is it okay? Um, unfortunately, your, your entire family passes away. It's terrible. It's tragic. Do you stop doing what you're doing right now? No? Is it okay? So while they might inspire you to do a great job, they are not the reason why you do what you do. It's important that you figure out why you do what you do or you'll never be great at it. That set me on to the darkest month of my life. Because if you're anything like me and you, you fancy yourself important in your own life and you value what you want to bring to the world. And you think about things on a regular basis often. And you think, you know who you are. And then somebody whose respect Like they have all of your respect tells you that you're full of shit about what you've been telling yourself. And they're right. Right there. So I started thinking about why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I being so unreasonable about the way I want to make a living? If right now, all of the stress in my life, at this false peak of being in the town I want to be at. Married to the woman of my dreams with a child who I love more than anything in the world. Why am I still not happy? Who cares how much money I am making? Why am I still not happy? Why am I still not successful? And the more I thought, the more I thought, it took me back to seventh grade. When I was in seventh grade, I weighed 85 pounds smoking wet. I wasn't as jacked as I am right now. You're allowed to laugh. That was a joke. 85 pounds soaking wet. And there was a senior, or excuse me, an eighth grader at our school who I like to say was 200 pounds and his kids were 85 pounds. And he wanted to beat me up. That was the word around school. For whatever reason, Anthony wanted to beat up Sean. I did what any reasonable human being would do and ran home. I left school. I ran home. I felt terrible when I got home. My father came home about 730 after work and he says to me, what's going on? Mom said you had a hard day. I said, yeah. I did. This kid wants to beat me up. My dad says to me, Okay, so what do you want to do? So I don't know. Now, until then, I felt like I was cool. I felt like I was tough, even though I'd never had a reason to believe that. Um, and everything in my life was getting challenged. My dad said to me, Okay, I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. So, okay. I had a great relationship with my parents. I still do. He says to me, Tomorrow, you're going to go to school. And before you even go to class, you're going to walk up and find Anthony. Now, remember, I go, I'm from a fairly densely populated area. There were about 800 kids at my local school. Okay, go find Anthony. When you find him, you're going to offer him to fight you right there. I said, I don't know if if you listen to me, dad. I watched Anthony pick up another football player and pile drive him. And that guy weighed like 175 pounds. I weigh 85 pounds. He's like, yeah. So one of two things are going to happen. Anthony is going to beat you up. And no one's going to be surprised. And you're going to get sympathy, which is going to make you even more angry because you don't want sympathy. You want to feel strong or somehow some way you're going to hurt Anthony or even win the fight. And then no one's going to mess with you anymore, but either way, everybody is going to know that if they want to mess with you, they're going to have to go through with it. I was more scared of my father than I was of Anthony. I had more reverence for him. I wanted to disappoint him less. Then I wanted to avoid getting beat up. So the next day I walked into school and I walked right up to Anthony. I mean, I held it all in and pretended that I was confident. And I'm sure that I didn't sound as good as I thought I sounded. But I said, Anthony, I heard you're looking for me. If you want to do this, let's do it right now in front of everybody. I don't want to wait anymore. And he put his arm around me and he said, we're cool. I was more pissed off that I made a big deal out of it in my own head that he had that much control over me than than I would have been to have gotten beat up in front of the whole school. So where do my values come from? One of the things that I was talking to my mentor at the time about was I always feel like I'm competing with people who don't even know that I exist. I create these bad guys in my head who I want to take down for no real reason, except that I I want, I want it to be fair. I'm tired of watching these people bully other people without even giving other people a chance and without even doing it overtly, you don't have to tell somebody that you're going to beat them up to bully them. And what I came to realize was I was running a rehab clinic The people were coming to from around the world for treatment because nobody local to them was going to treat them. I just wasn't charging enough for it. And then I would send those people back home and start writing program design for them so that they could stay healthy, get out of pain without going to the doctor, without missing the gym, without giving up their active lifestyle. I'm talking about Olympic medalists whose names you know. Professional baseball players whose names you know, CrossFit Games athletes whose names you know, CrossFit Games champions whose names you know, flew out to my clinic and then flew home. I just didn't know how to charge for it. So I was still broke. Now, what I started to realize was I understand why I do this. I see two bullies and they're out there bullying so many people. The medical industry, healthcare, is bullying people into believing that their only choices are to stop doing the things that they love to do. Take medications, get shots, get surgeries. And the fitness industry is bullying people into believing that if they're not getting results, it's because they're not working hard enough because they haven't made it a priority. When the reality was that the medical and healthcare industry was never really listening to the patients. They were never really meeting them where they were at. And the fitness industry was refusing to look inward. I'll give you some examples. Put it in your head. You don't need to tell me. Have you ever seen somebody make posts about weight loss, talk about weight loss as a thing that's important in the fitness industry? Like, I can help people lose weight. You think it's the thing to do. It feels like the thing to do. Some people even come and buy it. But have you ever talked to the person who really needs to lose the weight? I'm talking about somebody who is 150, 200 pounds overweight, struggling from the effects of significant morbid obesity. If you've talked to those people, you talk to enough of them, the last thing that they want to hear is that you have a weight loss solution. They wanna lose weight, but they don't wanna do it to lose weight. They want to be talked to in such a way that you make them feel like they're just like everybody else. And the weight falls off by doing the things that everybody else would do. They wanna feel empowered, not like they have an extra burden to carry that needs to be removed. And that's why when you talk about weight loss, you get the people who need to lose 10, 15, 20, 25, maybe even 50 pounds sometimes. But the people who really need your help, I imagine they're not knocking down the doors. And they have so much more to lose by not getting your service. You can help them so much more. Now, what does the medical industry do with that person? Somebody suffering from this kind of morbid obesity walks into a doctor's office and says, my knee hurts. You may or may not know this, but over 30% of the time, they are going to get recommended bariatric surgery for their fucking knee pain. Now, is their knee pain something that was brought on by their extra weight? Sure, maybe it was. But that's not what they need on the first day. So these people have nowhere to go. They're lacking the education. They're lacking the mindset. They're lacking the support. They're lacking people knowing how to meet them where they're at. We're not doing it. They're being bullied. Let's go to another version. Somebody just finished surgery, and then they had rehab. Physical therapy, Finished their rehab. They did everything they were supposed to do. What does a physical therapist say to somebody when they finish their rehab before they go off into the world if they're an active person? Ease into it. Ease into what you're doing. What does that mean? What that does is it leaves somebody exiting their office, intimidated by the world. It may seem trivial when I talk about it here, but imagine it at the most extreme and then realize that there's a continuum. The most extreme, somebody just had a hip replacement. What can I do? What can't I do? What are the signs I'm doing something wrong? If I used to run marathons, is running 10 miles a week easing into it or is, is that too much? Then they come to the gym, they meet with the fitness coach, and they say, hey, my, my doctor told me to ease into it. And they're like, no problem. We'll do that. Okay, great. How? On feel? We're going to do that on feel. We're going to say, how did you feel today after yesterday? A little bit sore. Great, we'll do a little bit less next time. That's the plan? There is proven, scientific, studied tested ways to ease somebody back into something mathematically to ensure that not only do they not get hurt, but they're able to progress past where they started. They know when you do it on feel that you're not sure how to do that, and they don't feel more confident. Let's go to another version. You go to the doctor, and they tell the doctor, my back hurts, my shoulder hurts, whatever have you. When I do this, Whenever I lift heavy weights, my back hurts. What is the doctor going to tell them? Generally speaking, you know the answer. Stop doing that. Great. That's not what they want. They don't want to be told that your life is going to be limited by the way that your body performs. That's the last thing that they want to hear. Now, here we are, the fitness industry. We're like, hey, you can come over here. We'll help you. How are you going to help me? Well, we'll modify around it. We'll do a bunch of things that you can do without aches and pains. Does that sound like a good idea? They say yes, because they think it's the best that they can get, but they still walk around with the story in their mind. I have a bad shoulder. I have a bad back and I can't do these things. And this is the kind of the, as long as I stay within what I know I can do, I'm fine. You wouldn't tolerate that from your friends if you went to dinner and they struggled to read the menu and they were like, I just, I just avoid reading the big words. It's different with the body, though, because we've come to accept it. These people are bullied. It's not on purpose. The bully isn't doing it on purpose. It's the fitness industry. It's the healthcare industry. And everyone in the middle doesn't get served, and they get blamed for their problem, blamed and shamed. So when I came to realize all of this was going on, for the record, having that knowledge, speaking that language, servicing the people who felt that way, Help me earn $100,000 for the first year in my entire life. 2017, $120,000 in salary plus bonus, I was able to pay myself. Hell yeah. We're there. Turned to my wife and I said, I'm giving it up. She said, what? I said, I'm giving it up. Uh, I need need to have a bigger impact on what's happening here. And I don't think I can do it in a clinic. I don't think I can do it in a gym. So I exchanged all of my shares in my clinic and my gym with my partner for the opportunity to pursue this thing that we did online together. It was like a, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a hobby. Made a few bucks, but nothing to write home about. My wife says to me, okay, I trust you. What are we going to do? I said, I know what it's like to work 17 hour days. I know what it's like to do that for a long period of time. I know what that would do to our family. And I know why I wasn't financially successful last time. I ask that you give me one month to prove that I can do this. And you did. She gave me her blessing, not her permission. We don't operate that way. She gave me her blessing. And in the month of January, I was able to grow our business to numbers that I had never seen before. All because I understood who I was trying to help. I understood what my values were. I wanted to help bridge the gap between fitness and healthcare and empower the people who lived in the middle. Now, At Active Life, which is the company that I own, everything that we do, every decision that we make, every client we take, every client that we don't, every partnership that we get into, every dollar that we pay, every dollar that we earn, it all goes back to our core values. Our core values. And most of the time, I believe, unfortunately, core values are words on the wall that have little meaning, that... The owner of the business couldn't even spout out. And I contend to you that the more clear you are on your core values, the less burnt out, the more successful, the more inspired, the more safe you're going to feel. Our values. My challenge to you is that after today, after you're done with all the great speakers, you make sure you have yours. You make sure that you can speak to your core values, make decisions to your core values and identify what is not a core value of yours by something that if you saw the opportunity to do it, you would say no, even if it made you money. Simple examples for us at Active Life and personally, team first is a value, family first in my personal life. What that means, and I've told our clients, I would put our staff over you anytime time I needed to. Because it is only if they feel safe and they feel inspired that they're going to be able to service you. Integrity. Now, this is one of those, like, yeah, anyone can say integrity. Um, In 2017, 2018, excuse me, um, we got our Bulletproof programs. You might have heard of our template Bulletproof programs at Active Life. We got those to doing $60,000 a month in revenue recurring. 95% or so, don't quote me, profit margin. I did some deep dive. said, I wonder if we can get a bunch of testimonials out of this to help it really go. And what I found out is less than 10% of people who bought it, used it. They just paid the 39 bucks every month because they felt it was good to have or because they forgot. Canceled it. I cut 50% of our income off of the books, And I didn't have any money in savings yet because I felt like it was the wrong way to do it. I didn't feel good about making money that way. Professionalism, which to us means you earn trust on purpose every day. You look the part, you find commonality, you speak credibly, and you demonstrate altruistic intent. That means when you show up for a meeting, you're on time, You do what you say you're going to do. You say please and thank you, and you smile. It's simple, and most people won't do it. You can set yourself apart by doing simple things like that. That's professional. And finally, to have an active life mindset, which to us, to me, means it is not about you. And it is still always your responsibility. You can only be a masterpiece if you are simultaneously a work in progress. We recently had a staff member who came on board in a new sales position, and he went three for 14 on his first 14 attempts to sell clients who he thought were a fit for us. He felt terrible. He thought he was letting us down. He wasn't. He was learning. We knew he would go through that. We had a meeting that was already on the schedule because we anticipate that people are going to need to be works in progress and they're going to need help developing because if we just said, Hey, things are going bad. Let's have a meeting. Now he's nervous coming in, but the meeting was already on the schedule, we knew it would go bad to start four for four in his last four saying no to people before they even get on the phone because he's not trying to sell everybody. He understands he should only talk to people who should buy integrity. He's a masterpiece because he's a work in progress. I'll leave you with this, and we'll move to a Q&A. If you are feeling burnt out, if you are slower in the success that you are pursuing than you would like to be, it is likely because you are pursuing the wrong thing at the wrong time or the right thing at the wrong time. I believe that we have four freedoms that we can pursue. The first of the four freedoms, and they must be pursued in order, is freedom of purpose and relationships. What that means is you need to know exactly what you do, exactly for whom you do it, and why you do it. And then you need to love it so much that it's the only thing you will do for money. Say no to everything that doesn't align with the purpose and the relationships that you want to have. Second, freedom of money. Once you know who you're going to work with, who you're going to work for, and how you're going to do it, making enough money is the freedom that you're going to pursue. If you are pursuing money before you have your purpose in your relationships, you're going to burn out in the rat race. You know people who are there, you want to avoid it. That's how it happens. Purpose first, then money. After you have the money, and by the way, to me, freedom of money is you don't check the price on the menu before you order dinner, figure out what it is for you. Up next is freedom of time. Too many people believe that when they have enough money, that means they have time. You don't. If you're the whole business and you're making all of this money and you want time, you need to make sure there are processes in place that allow you to be more free. That doesn't come just because money is coming in. If your business was a phone call every week with 20 different clients paying you $1,000 per month per client, you're making $20,000 a month, a quarter million dollars a year. But if you get sick, you go on vacation, whatever happens, You can't have 20 phone calls. Now you have 20 angry clients unless you put systems in place. That's how you earn the, the time. And finally, and last, freedom of contribution. Contribution means you want to give things away for free? Do it with the time and the money and the purpose that you already have. You want to volunteer your energy to somebody else's cause or to a cause you believe in do it after you've taken care of yourself and your loved ones. That's when you have the freedom to contribute completely. And that's when you can truly say that you are living in alignment with your values. That's all I have for you. I would love to take any questions that you have.
1: Thank you, Sean. Make sure he heard
0: these applause. Yeah. That was a fucking masterpiece.
1: Thanks. If you have the recording, I'd love to to get a hands on it. (laughs) I'll definitely send it over. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Samantha, uh, she says, uh, this is really resonating with my why. I'm angry that the health and fitness industry is harming the very people they claim to serve. And uh, Rosalind agreed. Yeah. You want to have any questions for Sean? I will say to the people with to Samantha, to Rosalind is this. Um,
0: if, if, if it bothers you enough to get involved in it, then find the way that you feel inspired to get involved in. It. There are thousands of ways that you can enter that space and be a force for positivity in it. Um, it's got to be something that you want to become though, not something that you want to do or try. And, and I'm happy to email with any of you, jump on calls with any of you to talk about areas that might be a fit for you to do something, whether with us or with any other area. I don't care if you end up being a client of ours. I love getting on the calls. Anybody else have questions:
1: Sometimes it takes them a couple minutes, Sean. <laughs> I understand. Um, I'll give you something to chew on as you think about
0: questions, and if a question comes up, I'll stop talking and entertain it. There was a time in my career where I actually took action outside of my integrity, and I'll never forget it because it was one of the most impactful moments in my career and an incredibly valuable learning lesson a man walks into my gym and he says, I want to buy personal training from you. So I don't really do personal training anymore. He said, well, I want to buy personal training from you. So why? You know, and he knew a friend of mine. I said, fine, look, if you want to buy personal training from me, you have to buy 12 sessions or 120 bucks a pop. Cause that's something you want to do. Says, yeah. So, okay, great. Let's do it. Pays me $1,440. I think that's what 12 times 20, uh, 12 times 120 is. Um, Then I said to him, what do you want to do? What are your goals? It was so cocky. he says to me, I want to learn how to climb a rope. So what else? It's like, that's it. It's Okay. Four minutes later, I offered him a refund. Because four minutes later, he got up and down the rope twice. I felt like the worst person in the world for charging this guy $1,440 for something I could help him solve in four minutes. And he says to me, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Getting the chills about to tell you this. You see, Sean, I didn't care about climbing your rope. Every year, and I know, I don't know if you've spoken already, but Joe DeSanta, the owner of Spartan Race, every year I do Spartan races with my friends. My son is seven years old, and this year he wants to come. And I've never been able to climb the rope at the Spartan race. So afterwards, we all go to the parking lot, have a drink, and my friends make fun of me. And, you know, we make fun of each other for whatever they screwed up. And it's fun. But my seven year old thinks I'm a superhero. I don't want my friends to make fun of me in front of my seven-year-old, and I don't want to ask my friends not to make fun of me because then I'm not. Our friendship breaks down. I you gave me the ability to stay a superhero for my kid for another day. I would have paid you $1,440 for that all day. <sighs> well, we're not done. I scheduled all 12 sessions with him. I made sure he could come back. And climb the rope with his hands wet, climb the rope without his legs, climb the rope after a five mile run, climb the rope after squats, legless, climb all different ways. I said, you are going to climb that rope like a fucking Navy SEAL at the Spartan race. And your friends are going to talk about that. Not about you not being able to do it. And that's exactly what happened. But I'll never forget the way that I felt selling a man. 12 personal training sessions flippantly without asking him what they were for or why that was important to him. And it's the last time that I acted out of my integrity. I see some comments coming through. I can't read if those are questions. Mike, can you share them with me?
1: I'll read them off. Um, Let's see. uh, Samantha says uh, great value. I'm qualified within therapy and fitness, torn with how to amalgamate, those services, or to specialize in one.
0: Say, so what was the? I'm trying to figure out how to amalgamate. Is that what she said?
1: Yeah, torn, torn with how to amalgamate those services, or to specialize in one.
0: Um, Samantha, the important thing there is that when you're offering those services to the marketplace, that you're able to dissociate. This is what I do as a medical professional, and this is what I do as a fitness professional. And if you're saying I'm blurring the lines between the two of them, that's great we have very important and and specific rules at active life for how we differentiate a client from a patient. And when someone is a patient, we need to refer them to a doctor. If someone is a client, we can service them our own way. Uh, If that's ever something that you're interested in discussing in detail. um, I don't know if my email is on here, but I'd be happy to discuss it with you at no charge.
1: Yeah, we can uh, what what is your email? And uh, well, Matt will type it in or... it's
0: dr Sean D-R-S-E-A-N, at ActiveLiferx.com. And if you're not an email person, shoot me a DM on Instagram at dr Sean Pastuch. I answer every single one of those two. <clears throat>
1: um next question is what's an exercise someone can do to identify and solidify their personal values? Great question. Challenge them. Challenge them.
0: So put yourself in a situation where the most appetizing, exciting, just incredible opportunity comes up that's outside of your values. Do you take it? If the answer is yes, that's okay. It just means that wasn't really one of your values. So continue asking yourself, where are my lines? put a bunch of words that represent what you believe your lines are on, on a sheet of paper, on a whiteboard, then start looking at which of these words fit inside of other ones. I'll never forget our entire staff being in a room when I crossed off the word honesty, because I felt like it fit inside of integrity, right? But you put that in a snap in 2022 and I'm canceled. But the point that I'm making to you is challenge yourself and ask yourself, is this really a value of mine? Have I acted outside of it? If I've acted outside of it, did it make me feel good or did it make me feel bad? If it made me feel good, then this is not a value. If it made me feel bad, then maybe this is a value. And also be open to the idea that your values can change like that. Your values change based on education and experience. I heard Mike beautifully speak on a podcast about trying to avoid thinking in terms of beliefs that frees you up to have the ability to change what's important to you at any given time and then live within that.
1: I hope that's a helpful answer. Yeah. I would also add the um, sometimes people, what I find with a lot of clients is their vision doesn't ally, align with their values. They, they say, I want my life to look like this, but their values would never let them get there. Mm-hmm. And it actually takes a conscious shift in values. Totally. Um, next question. Um, what was your approach to getting your message out so that clients knew how to find you, YouTube, local marketing, other social media.
0: So when I was running a local business, um, it was, I'm going to become the mayor of the town where I live. Everybody's going to know me for something good. Um, I would get three cups of coffee and take one sip of one cup, buy the cup of coffee, get to know the barista, talk to all the people who are sitting around, just be jovial. Uh, And then eventually I realized if I buy tea, I can actually drink it. Uh, But that, that was the way I did it locally. Just everybody would know me. I would do things for the local community. I was trying to make a friend anywhere I could, call your local newspaper. I know it sounds crazy in 2022, but they are craving things to write about. So call your local newspaper. Ask them if you can write an editorial column. Ask them if there's anything that you can contribute that could make it that can make their paper more valuable. You never know who's going to read it. It might not be your avatar, but remember that your avatar's mom or dad might still read the paper and show it to their kid. Any of you ever had someone send like your parents sent you an article they read in the newspaper, this happens. Um, When it went online, I was just unabashedly honest about what I believed was important. And I gave away everything. Give them everything that you think they would come and pay you for in coaching. And then what happens is you think you're out of good stuff. You're like, why would they come and buy? Then someone comes and asks you a question. You're like, that's a great question. I have to, I need more than just a post to answer that. And that's how you start to draw clients. I hope that's a helpful answer for
1: you. Beautiful. Well said. What, um, I, I, I mean, I, I see you mostly on Instagram probably cause that's the platform I'm using or using any other platforms. LinkedIn. Um, so
0: here, here's the thing, right? I want to, I want to share this with you in a way and my my belief is that most of you are coaches running solo businesses. I am fortunate now to have a team of 26 people working full time at Active Life to make sure that our message gets out and our clients get serviced. Do something that you can sustainably do. So for me in the beginning, that was Instagram. Now I'm working on building my own personal email list where I can just continue to provide value to people through email so that when I can't get attention on Instagram, I can talk to people whose attention I already have. Um, There's no reason that a piece of content should not be posted on every platform, but know that your, your ability to have impact on each platform is going to diminish because the voice for one is the wrong voice for another. I am starting to go heavier into LinkedIn because I'm looking for institutional partnerships and I want people at the institutional levels to know who I am our company is still most active on Instagram because that's where our clients are.
1: Very cool. And I've got Nicholas. He's got his hand raised. You can unmute. What's up, Nicholas? Oh, good. Thanks. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. I understood uh, your examples of the fitness industry or people from the fitness industry, bullying clients or patients in this case, people with injuries um the way we do it uh, is to, for example, take, take it easy and say, we're going to find progressions and so on. What is the way you see uh, to do it better or the way you used to do it better?
0: So I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that anything that we do is better than what you do. That's really important for you to know. The last thing I would want you to leave this with is less confidence that what you're doing is good. If you're having a conscious effort to help people and looking to improve it, you're doing the right thing. To give you a straightforward answer, it's a combination of doing the math on what somebody's what's called chronic workload and acute workload look like. I have to break into a full lecture to explain it, but very simply put, if a marathoner used to run 100 miles a week, I know they don't, easy math, and they haven't run it all for eight weeks, we're going to take 100. And basically divide it by eight and say, okay, now their acute workload is about 12 miles a week. I'm going to start them at about 50% of their acute workload as a start, so six miles per week. And then every two weeks, based on them reporting back, I'm going to increase their volume by 30 to 50%, depending on how early in the development we are. And then I can map out for them, it's going to take us this long Exactly to get you back to full mileage, depending on if you have setbacks or not. Does that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. So what's that? Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. If it's something that you have deep interest in, that's something that we do teach in our education. You can also look up acute and chronic workload on PubMed. That's where you'll find the best stuff for that.
1: One thing I heard in that is... um, you give very specific prescriptions for exercise based on what they need. And you set the expectations for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas uh, a lot of times people in the fitness industry or the healthcare industry are are more vague.
0: Yeah. Uh, A simple, a simple story about that is I had Lindy Barber as a one-on-one client. She was participating for team mayhem at the CrossFit games and she was hurt. She couldn't perform. And in December, had a conversation with her. I said, look, here's the deal. If we do this together, you're not going to score for your team in the open. And if any of you know CrossFit, that's that's damaging. I said, are you still going to make it to regionals? She said, yeah. So, okay, great. When you get to regionals, you're, you're going to feel like you're healthy, but you're not going to feel like you're contributing the way you want to. Are you still going to make it to the games? She said, yeah. I said, great. When you get to the games, you're going to be the healthiest, most durable, fittest member on your team. It's exactly what happened. That's the year at the games they came in second place. Rich Froning signed up on Monday. That was her teammate. So being specific kept her off the ledge.
1: That's great. I think, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I look back over my coaching career. I was like, oh, wow. There was a lot of, it was vague in a lot of ways, but I didn't even know it. <laughs> I think it takes studying under somebody who is very specific to be able to learn those things.
0: Okay. Um, and when I say Monday, by the way, I don't mean this past Monday. I mean, the games ended Sunday, Rich signed up on Monday. Um, but one of the things that I believe strongly in is that there is a, a, a good balance between formal education and experiential education. And right now the medical industry for all of its flaws, requires four years of college and then a minimum of two years afterwards for nursing, physical therapy, and up to four to eight for medical and surgical. The fitness industry demands a textbook. doesn't even demand a high school diploma, but the average person in the fitness industry is high school diploma plus textbook exam. I'm not saying everybody needs to jump into formal education. What I'm saying is, If we want to be taken seriously as an industry that can come right to the edge of healthcare, we need to understand that they value education, formal education, much more than fitness does. And we need to put that jacket on for a minute, wear it and decide if it's really as uncomfortable as we thought it would be before we put it on. And then either wear it, get the education or take it off and say, this isn't for me. The education that we put coaches through is 13 months long. We expect at least two hours a week of educational material coming your way. We assign a mentor to you who you meet with every two weeks. There are five subject matter experts to make sure that you can sell, market, manage your time, all of that kind of stuff. And you're in a network of other professional coaches who are trying to do the same thing that you are. I think that's what it takes to really bridge that gap. Big commitment. Yeah. I, we tell people all the time, we're not something you try. We're something you become.
1: Yeah. That's what we need. That's what, uh, I mean, that, that, that's really how you stand out. People talk about how do I stand out in my marketing, this and that. But if you stand out in what you deliver and how you deliver it, you'll, it it'll, it'll shine through.
0: Mike, I've never built a funnel in my life. I don't even know how to build a funnel right now. There is nobody on our team at active life who is responsible for marketing.
1: Wow. Sounds like you're doing great anyway.
0: (laughs) We're doing, I mean, look, we're doing okay. If, if, if I'm, if I'm, the truth is they're all false peaks. So for those of you on this call right now, who are like, I just want to get to 5k, 10k, 15k, 20k, whatever it is, they're all false peaks. You're going to hit that number and be like, Oh, Now what do I do? It's it's a constant pursuit of growth in some way, personal or professional. Um, Right now we're set up as a company to be doing about five times the amount of business that we're doing. That's how, that's how much staff we put in place. So financially right now, is it the best time in the world for our company? No. Are we making more money than we ever have? Yes. Are we keeping most of it? No. Our payroll is through the roof by design. So you know, it it all depends on what, what doing well means to you. For me, it's exactly where I want us to be.
1: Beautiful. Uh, Yeah. Can you remind everybody where they can find you? Uh, I know we dropped your email in the chat and uh, yeah, just let us know what your Instagram is and just remind everybody that he uh, Dr. Sean has told us he will answer your DMS to reach yes, out just
0: don't try me 4X. Um I my my Instagram is at Dr Sean Pastuch at D-R-S-E-A-N-P-A-S-T-U-C-H. My, in, my email is dr Sean at active I will check. All of it, especially over the next four days, because my wife just took the kids to Maryland to see her parents. I have an event in Boston on Monday that I'm speaking at. And so I'm going to have plenty of time by myself like
1: this. Send them. Beautiful. Uh, Funny you mentioned Forex. I had somebody uh, mimic my account last month and message probably almost all my followers. You Did you get a message from me? To I, didn't, sell, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> that was not. Uh, that was not where it came from.
0: But you know, congratulations, you made it.
1: <laughs> uh, that was that was worrisome. I was like, man, I hope nobody got uh, screwed out a bunch of. I bad. don't
0: even know what forex is. I've just seen so many. Like, I get so yeah. many. Hello, that- sir, madam. Forex for twenty k. No. Yeah, it's
1: like a. It has to do with crypto trading. I don't. I don't know about that specifically, but the, the scam is. uh uh Oh, I'm, I'm this guy that, you know, and trust, mm-hmm. by the way, I just made X amount of dollars by putting this amount of money in, send your money. And they basically get on a call, send money somewhere. And then it whew, vanishes. I got a buddy. I got a buddy who lost uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars with that with not for mine. No, I don't know anyone who fell for the one that came from uh, my, the bogus account, but beware y'all. Unfortunate lesson. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's one of those. You only learn once. Yep. Yeah. All right, Sean, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the wisdom you dropped for us and uh, yeah, I'll see you around. All right. Thank you. I appreciate all of you. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of the active podcast. Remember if you feel inspired by our vision, To humanize the healthcare industry, professionalize the fitness industry, and empower individuals to live their lives, to reclaim their physical freedom, to develop careers, helping people reclaim their physical freedom. All you need to do is head to ActiveLifeProfessional.com, find the appropriate link that represents you, and get in contact. We'll see you there.